0: This episode of the Happy Raccoon Podcast is brought to you by Pure VPN. If you don't know anything about internet security, you should probably learn really quickly. Big companies like Facebook and Twitter are using your internet information to track you and sell you uh, to the highest bidder, to different advertisers. That's why PureVPN and companies like it offer. Device protection that disguises your device from different sellers like Facebook so you can protect yourself and your identity and all of your information when you browse the internet. Head to purevpn.com to learn more about setting up your device. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode 12 of the happy raccoon podcast. And my name is Mason. I'm the host creator and daddy of this whole magilla. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, and, uh, yeah, your first thing you're probably thinking of is how did the vasectomy go? And let me tell you, it was not my favorite thing, but it was my least favorite thing. And, um, I hated it and I'm still slowly recovering from that. And, uh, And I've just been putting my body under more and more torment. Um, I got my second COVID vaccine today. So I'm double vaxxed up, which is real fun. Speaking of which, I should congratulate you. If you're listening to this episode, you have survived 455 days of the world's weakest pandemic. Um, Statistically, I don't think that's actually correct. But um, compared to the Spanish flu, which took 50 million lives, Covid is just a little brother. So, uh, but you've survived 455 days. Congratulations to you! What an accomplishment! And uh, yeah, so we're we're all here. And um, thanks just for tuning to this episode. What, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Uh, my mom was here over the weekend, and man, it's so cute to watch your kids interact with their grandmas. Um, Haven's just turning into such a little ball of fun and energy. All the time, so it was nice to have another person here to chase her around while I was recovering. Um, I bought a trampoline for Haven, and one thing that I'm pretty sure just like runs in the family is that I'm really, really bad at um, building anything with my hands. So I bought a trampoline off of Facebook Marketplace. It came completely disassembled and took me like four hours to put together. It was ridiculous. Those springs are like really, really hard to tether into, you know, the the trampoline. If you ever put a trampoline together, you know what I'm talking about. It was like, took me forever to figure out how to do it. I ended up finding a little way where I could like Jimmy one. Anyways, why do you guys care about that? I don't really know, but I put the dang trampoline together and my kid loves it. I don't really think that I have weekends anymore. I think I'm at a point now where Haven's going to be two in like five weeks, which is crazy to think about. And I'm just not ready for that yet, but regardless, she's going to be like two years old soon, and uh, I don't have weekends anymore. My weekends are pre-booked with things that I have to do around the house, Or things that I need to do to make my kids' life better. uh, because she just the poor thing is cooped up inside all day long and she needs some sort of activity. So, you know, over the course of the weekend I put together the trampoline, took me several hours, and it also took me three hours to mow the lawn. We live on like an acre and a half of grass, right? There's like no nothing else. There's like a little shed, but the rest of it's grass, and it took me, gosh darn it. Sorry, one second, it took me three hours to do the whole thing i logged it on my apple watch and um, it said that um, i walked i think it was like four miles mowing the lawn just back and forth back and forth it took me forever i crushed my step goals that was pretty cool so anyway yeah i don't really have weekends anymore that's not a thing once you get to a certain level of of dadhood you just sort of everything is just taken up with, you know, putting together trampolines so your kid can be entertained or mowing the lawn. It's just no such thing as a weekend anymore. And that's okay because I love being a dad. I love doing those things for her and for for Lennon. Um, Lennon will enjoy it one day. But right now, right now the only thing in the world that Lennon likes is boobs and honestly, I don't blame her. But um, she's so funny, man. Lennon will just stand there and she has like these crazy eyes like this who just she has these gnarly, like super wide open eyes, and uh, and she just stares around the room all the time. I think she has like some sort of radar to detect where Becca is. Um, Becca's the, Becca's everyone's favorite. She's like, you know, everyone loves Becca. I'm I'm cool and all. Um, I get recognized for trampoline activity, freshly cut grass, but Becca's the the cool one right now with the kids, and that's okay. Uh, we can't have any more now because I got a vasectomy. So, yeah, that was a terrible experience. So, because I, I shared with you guys last episode that my first appointment was was scheduled. Um, and as I got there, I was all hopped up on Valium. I was in the elevator on the way up to the doctor's appointment, and they called me saying it was canceled. So classic my luck. So, I go back home, and I got it rescheduled for Tuesday, this last Tuesday. and it was... What Tuesday was that? Was the, the was the 20th. Why does it even matter? You know what I mean? Um, 27th. So it was the 27th. And I said, hey, I need you guys to order more Valium. I need Valium beforehand as a pain suppressant and as a anxiety medication for this crazy procedure I'm undergoing. They said, yeah, no problem. We'll send it in. Never got sent in. So I'm showing up to Dr. Aronis's office, which have a Man touch your testicles and his name is Dr. Aronis is no fun regardless so I show up no volume I just got to go in there and I watched the while well, I was all happening right I go in there and you know they give me the rundown they say here's what's what's going to happen here's how you take care of your 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 you know nuts and bolts afterwards and here's you know the the procedures you know hey, what's going to happen hey you know what's going to happen and uh, so we, you know, had that little discussion, and I brought my little earbud things with me, right? I brought some some knockoff AirPods, and uh, I thought I just I need to tune this out, right? So I sit in this chair, no idea what to expect. Next thing you know, Doctor Aronis is is throwing me down, right? He knocks this, this table over. So now I'm lying flat on my back, looking up at this big halo light, and I'm thinking to myself, here it goes. No more, right? So the next thing I feel is him taping my penis to my stomach. And then uh, he got to work. And I had to tune it out. So I put my earbuds in. And I got that up on my phone. And I was watching on my phone. I was watching the History Channel hit TV show Pawn Stars. um, As I watched people sell antique items to a bald old smoker. Um, I was watching, I think that episode, they were selling an old painting and forever. I think that TV show will be ruined for me for life. Uh, I don't think there's any coming back from that, to be honest with you, but it is over with. And, uh, do I recommend a getting a vasectomy? Probably all told the, it lasted about 30 minutes. Um, nearly passed out afterwards. That was crazy. So Dr. Ronis left the room. It was just this nurse. And she, you know, sat me back up and initially I felt fine. And then all of a sudden I just felt like pins and needles all over the place. And, uh, and I was about to pass out. So she laid me back down and then I came to, to her slapping my hand because I was biting my hand so hard while I was like going out. Cause I think I was trying to, to keep myself conscious. So I was like biting my hand really bad and she was like slapping. saying, you need to let go of your hand, let go of your hand. Cause I was like really getting in my hand and my hand is still sore, still sore from biting, biting down on it so hard. But then this little lady came in and she gave me a Capri Sun juice box I Took a couple of sips of that. And I was ready to go, baby hopped back up and, uh, was what was out of, out of there. Well, on my way, the next few days of recovery were a little rough, I'm still a little rough around the edges. Um, I was able to put a trampoline together and mow a lawn. So, you know, that, that's productive, I suppose. And, um, Yeah, give myself about 80%. So, all in all, appreciate all the uh, kind thoughts and prayers during that procedure. It was definitely a doozy. So, this episode is super laid back. I even thought about taking a week off, to be honest with you, because, uh, yeah, it's been a long weekend. Um, So, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, I'm not doing any funky news today. Um, The next episode, we'll have a guest again, which will be a lot of fun. I do prefer to have guests on here, so... I'm going to drop another invitation that I would love to have whoever is listening to this on the podcast. If you live in a different state, I can have you on here virtually. Um, if you live in my area, come on by. I will feed you something delicious probably, and uh, you can be a guest on the podcast. So, But I do have a guest next episode. I won't say who, um, but it'll be great regardless. But um, last over this weekend, I put on Instagram... Um, the opportunity for some of my friends and listeners to ask me questions to answer on the podcast. Now, was 90% of the questions, were were 90% of the questions uh, complete garbage? Yes. Um, am I able to answer all of them? No, because some of them were really, really dumb. Like, mm, I don't know. I guess none of them were really that dumb. But Anyways, I was looking for something a little bit more fruitful, something I can actually talk about. So I'm going to go through some of these uh, some of these questions and uh, and we'll just talk about them, man. We'll keep this episode super light. Um, nothing really too crazy to talk about, I don't think. Uh, here's a question. So what is the worst job you've ever had? I've had a lot of jobs. I've shared about my job at at Sub-Zero Ice Cream where the owner was a complete moron and was running the thing into the ground. No offense to that guy if he's an avid listener. So he is Mormon, and I don't think Mormons listen to this podcast, to be honest. But that was interesting. Um, I don't know if that would be the worst job. The worst job I ever had is when I just moved to the area I'm living in now. I started working at a local fitness center and, uh, I got the job while I was still in, in California and I moved here and I started there kind of side unseen, but I worked in this like little makeshift office thing that was put together with like just a few two by fours and, uh, some drywall, but it was in, like a second story. So it felt like I was always going to fall through the roof. But I had one little window that was, I swear, is about the size of like an iPad. It's just this tiny little jail cell window and there was no heating or air in there. So it was either really hot or really cold. And at that time it was July, so it was really hot and really humid. We had these crappy little fans. The internet was terrible. I had to use my own personal laptop. And I was doing some, some real basic marketing work for this guy. And every time that this guy entered the room. I would be hard at work. I'd be on the phone with a client. Um, he would barge into my office and he said, oh, Mason, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. Dude, that was so annoying. It was funny the first time, and eh, kind of, Second time, it wasn't funny. The third time, it wasn't funny. The 100th time, it was not funny. And then he started, like, making some, like, real weird kind of homophobic jokes about the way that I dressed, insinuating that I come from California, where apparently there is a large homosexual population. He started correlating to, I got really uncomfortable, and I got the heck out of there. I'm not going to name drop the place. I'm not going to name drop the name of the guy, because he is a nice guy, and, you know, I don't want to, you know... Um, Cause a problem there, but that was, I think, the worst job I've ever had. As far as just like the environment, um, and the actual job itself, the pay was really bad. But you know me, I just wanted to get the heck out here because you know who lives here, Mm-mm-mm, Becca. You know, I and mean, you guys know, you guys know how I feel about the Becca. So, anyways, that was the worst job I've ever had. Um, we'll go to the next question. Who is your all-time best friend? Now, this question comes from a very, this is the only person I'm going to name drop. Actually, I'll name drop one other one um, because I want to help him promote his stuff too. But this message comes from my little brother, Matthew. So this is obviously baiting. Um, He wants the answer to be him. And Matthew and I are extremely close, and I'm very thankful for that. The obvious answer is that my best friend is, of course, my spouse. Now, if I had to take that a step back, I'd say no spouse allowed. I would say Matthew for sure, my little brother. And if I were to say no family at all, I would say John. Friggin' Groves, dude. Man, I love that guy. He's on vacation right now. I don't know why I shared that with you guys, but my man deserves it. Um, pastor, pastoral work is hard work. I can tell he puts a lot of work in. Um, okay, here's another great question. Who was your first celebrity crush? And why? I'm not sure what you mean by why to the person that answered this question, but my first celebrity crush was Sarah Baker from Cheaper by the Dozen. Now, I don't know why she was my first crush. She wasn't particularly a girly girl, um, didn't put much effort into looking cute, but I just liked her style, man. She was a fighter, kind of tough, a little rough around the edges. So, um, if you've ever seen two brother doesn't, you know who I'm talking about. If you're watching the video, there's probably a picture you can look at right now, but Sarah Baker, man, that was my, uh, that was my celebrity crush. Um, I don't know. Can you even call like a child a celebrity? Cause I think at that time when it came out and that was my first crush, I had to have been like 11 and she's my age, I think. So she had to have been like 11 or 12. Like, is that even a celebrity? If you, if you haven't gotten past middle school, can you be a celebrity? I don't know. But yeah, Sarah Baker, that was my first celebrity crush. Um, here's a question I thought was interesting cause I've talked about this a handful of times. Um, where do you, you get your news? Now I think this question was being asked about the, the, my favorite news article of the week, which is a typical segment on this podcast. And that I get from com or upi.com where you get some real fun, um, you know, quirky news there about some real random stuff that's happening in the world. And that's where I get my news for the podcast. If it's more generally speaking, where do I get my news as far as like, where do I stay informed enough date by watching the news? I get my news from a lot of different places. And I do that intentionally because I don't trust the first person that gives me the information, even if they have a blue check mark next to their name. So I get my news from a lot of different places. I am an avid listener of the Daily Wire, um, and some of the people on there, but I'm also, I tune into, you know, some of the more mainstream media and NBC and all that stuff. So I try and have a well-balanced group of where I get my news, but ultimately, and I've said this many times before, the news is one thing. You can't let the news dictate how you process information and how you understand the information. So don't let the news tell you how to feel. That's my motto, not one of my mottos, but don't tell don't let the news tell you how to feel and decide for yourself how you feel about things. Cause they, I really feel like, you know, I'm not like, you know, Donald Trump saying like fake news, fake news, but I do think that the media, um, it is, it benefits them to separate the United States into two columns of left or right. And it benefits them by blasting out news articles that are maybe a little exaggerated in the headlines because those headlines get clicks and those clicks are slammed with ads on it. And that's how they get paid. So um and that goes for pretty much every news source. So I take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I look for a few different places for things. Um, but ultimately, my opinion on news is it doesn't matter where you've got it, as long as you digest the information, decide for yourself what is true or incorrect. And how you respond to that. And I encourage you to respond to that in a loving and respectful way rather than combative. Because it's been a crazy, uh, crazy last couple of years. And doesn't it seem like that always happens around the election? Like, I feel like the last time that there was like radical social movements um, was the last election in 2016. I could be wrong, but I guess it's been going on for a really long time regardless. So, But yeah, so where do I get my news you know, I'm definitely a pretty big Twitter user and news is on there a lot. You know, Twitter is like the cesspool of social media networking. But, um, again, ultimately the big thing is that you just take everything with a grain of salt and be responsible about the information that you would take. All right. What's one of your family traditions? I like this question because although it's really extremely boring, no offense to the person who asked it, I like this because now that I'm a dad and I'm the man of the house, I can kind of bring my own traditions in, right? So my favorite tradition growing up, when we lived <coughs> lived in New Guinea, you know, we didn't have a lot of materials and we didn't have a lot of money, but one of our treats was that. Um, people from the United States would send in um, episodes of American Idol, Survivor, The Apprentice, probably where I got my big kick for reality TV to be honest. but they would send us all these uh, recorded tapes so we would um, as a family as a treat, we would watch a few episodes but we would make um, Oreo milkshakes and we'd have to save up um, all the materials to do that. So if we had um, if we were lucky enough to have ice cream and milk and Oreo cookies, then as a family, we would sit down and we'd watch it and we'd eat or drink our milkshakes. And that, to me, like was one of my favorite things about my childhood. And in fact, it reminds me of one time that Matthew, my little brother, and this is like just a classic family story, but Matthew, my little brother, who... Um, took his milkshake and wanted to lay flat on his back and drink it and learned a very valuable lesson in that. Um, uh, There's such a thing as gravity um, that happens, and the milkshake went all over his face, and I remember him sobbing, crying, and it being a little bit funny. But that's just because I was a big brother, and my other big brother, you know, he and I thought it was kind of funny. But now that I'm a dad and the man of my house, I have a unique opportunity to um, create some traditions, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I haven't gotten to do too many, too much of that yet. One thing that we have implemented into our Christmas is that we do Belschnickel, which we are huge fans of The Office if you've ever seen The Office, but, um, in The Office season nine, the very last season, um, Dwight shares what a Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas is, which is a real thing. And basically it's like a spin-off where they have their own Santa, but his name is Belschnickel, and he's kind of a homely looking hairy dude. And he brings like a sack around, a burlap sack with presents in it. Instead of naughty and nice or not naughty or nice, it's like impish or admirable. So I bought a few burlap sacks and the last couple years we've done Belshnickel presents instead of Santa. Um, just as a fun, quirky thing. Becca and I, we don't want to raise our kids to believe in Santa Claus. I apologize if you're two years old or three years old listening to this, and uh, and and you are probably so upset that Santa isn't real. But newsflash for you, Santa's not real. Um, so sorry to tell you, but um, but yeah. So we, we do Belshnickel on Christmas, which is a lot of fun. Um, I do Dadentines Day, um, which the day before. Valentine's Day, I celebrate uh, Dad and Day with a special fun activity for me and the girls. Um, just to love on them as a dad to daughter Valentine's Day thing. Um, those are my family traditions right now. I'm looking forward to building more over the years. And I think that, you know, as Haven and London get a little older, um, they'll have their own interests. And so different, um, yeah, different things will form, but definitely going to have something related to reality TV. I'm I'm almost certain. So, next question. Uh, this one's an interesting one and I've thought long and hard about this, but the question is if you could pick your own name or change your name to anything, what would you change your name to? I had to rephrase that question cause it was so poorly written. No offense. Um, I've thought a long, hard about this since, since you asked this question and I decided I would change it to Fernando Silver. Um, I don't know why I would change it to Fernando Silver, but it seemed like a good name. Um, Seemed like an, an exotic name. And uh, yeah, I mean, imagine like me coming on and not saying, like, oh, my name is Mason Cratch. Welcome to the Happy Raccoon podcast. I could say, you know, Yo soy Fernando Silver. Welcome to the Happy Raccoon podcast. That to me is something that would get probably a lot more listens. So Fernando Silver would definitely be the name that I would choose. Fernando Silver. Man, it sounds good coming off the tongue, right? Fernando Silver, baby man, I love that. I wonder what, I wonder if Matthew would pick up his phone right now. What he would say? Let's call him up. We're down, call mine. Yo, what are you doing right now? Sitting on the beach. Nice. Um, hey, you're on the Happy Raccoon podcast. Yeah, Happy Raccoon podcast. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, I had a question on Instagram. And uh, I'm doing like uh, a phone a friend. I don't know what that. You know, I'm, I'm dialing dialing in to, to help answer a question. If a on. yeah, if you could change your name to one thing, what name would you? What would you change your name to? You no, know, this is, is Carly asked me this question this morning. That is weird. Okay. And I said that my name Matthew fits me perfectly. If I didn't have an answer for you. I to think a little bit harder. Let me give you an example. Um I chose Fernando Silver. Fernando Silver? Fernando Silver, that, that's correct. For what for what reason? You're not, Fernando is more like a Spanish or a Latino name. You're white as they come. I, I think I'm a little bit little bit exotic, don't you think? No, not at all. I think I'm a little bit exotic and I think that Fernando Silver suits me pretty well, but if you don't think so, that's that's fine, but you'd have to call me that if that was my name. Okay. I think I think I'll go with like a like a I think I would go with like Maybe like Doctor Smolder Bravestone. No, I was thinking like <laughs> Jedediah Montgomery. <laughs> Jedediah Montgomery. I would just be destined to be a, like a, a, a country singer. Alright. A, a Jedediah Montgomery. That's not that's not terrible. Montgomery. there, Montgomery Love it. Love it. Alright, man. Well that's it. It's a little windy, so I'm gonna let you hop off, but thanks thanks for thanks for answering. Get out of here. Give himself a, a Twitch shout-out for his stream a Stream himself playing video games. Classic. Anyway, so Jedediah Montgomery is who Matthew would choose. That's interesting. Okay. This next question was sent in irony, but I'm glad that it was brought up because I'm very passionate about this. Do you believe in astrology? The answer is a big, fat, ugly, hairy... Smelly, no, absolutely, I do not believe in astrology. No, ah, uh, it's anyone that believes in astrology needs to, to grow up a little bit. Have you, have you ever read your like astrology sign? Some people say I just read it for fun. It's like a good way to wake up in the morning. It's just so it's so good. It's a good way to wake up in the morning. No, it's not. Uh, I could write. I've actually done this where someone asked me like what my sign is, and I would be like, oh, it's uh, Aquarius. Oh, my gosh. You are so Aquarius. Actually, it's not. Ah, okay? <laughs> it's not. I just fake them out. And the main point of that is that all of those things are so general in the way that they're written. They're like, you are a strong, independent fighter, but sometimes you get a little ca- caught off guard with new challenges in life. You love adventure and seeking out new friendships, but you're a little bit timid with people you feel you can't trust. Anyone could agree to that. You know what I mean? It's just like, I could write astrology stupid stuff so well, but no, I do not believe in astrology. And I know that the person who asked me this just knows that because how passionately I don't believe in that. It's just, there's no basis behind astrology. And the idea that you identify with a sign is just absolutely ridiculous. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay, two more. Where is the most unusual place you have fallen asleep? Becca and I were actually just talking about this because one of the biggest differences in Becca and I's relationship is that I have the ability to fall asleep almost on command. Like I can fall asleep within five seconds if I really wanted to. I have the capability to essentially shut my brain down and all of my brain function and just go to sleep. Becca, on the other hand, this is what happens when Becca goes to bed. Becca has to have the lights off in the room, but she has to have, like, the kitchen light on in the house. It has to be, like, at least one light on in the house. Subnoxious. So Love you, Becca, but so obnoxious, right? Then she's in our room, but the door has to be cracked open maybe about, like, five inches or so. The door is cracked open about five inches. And then she has to turn this fan on that sounds like a small helicopter taking off, and that's in the room too. And it has to be not on her. The fan just has to be blowing in any obscure direction. It's like a box fan and it's just blowing Southeast for no apparent reason. And then she has to have another noise maker thing on that sounds, she says it sounds like the ocean, but it literally just sounds like a static radio. It's just, it's like, like, I don't know what ocean that is, but it sounds like maybe I like guess tsunami hit Japan again or something. Um, so she has to have all of that, and then maybe she'll fall asleep. And even at that, it'll take her like an hour. Dude, I have a system where if I'm laying on my left arm and I'm talking to Becca before I go to sleep, you know, giving her a little little smoochy smooch and you know, a little sweet nothing in the ear. You know, you know how I am. I'm your boy's romantic. Hey, hey, I'm romantic. What can you say? You know. Um, but the minute I flip over onto my right arm, dude, I, I shift my legs a little bit. I get my arm under my pillow. I snuggle my head in real good, dude. And then I, I count down from 20 and I lay as still as possible. And I do not remember the last time I made it to zero, dude. I just go out and that's, that's my secret talent, honestly. So the strangest place I've ever slept. And the reason that we were talking about this, Becca and I, we were talking about this because the other day. After a long day, I just fell asleep on the hardwood floor in the living room, like no pillow, no blankets, just on the hardwood floor. And I slept there for like an hour and 20 minutes. No problem. Um, I just took a, a a rip Van Winkle nap right on the floor. Um, and, uh, and Becca took a picture of me and, and was making fun of me for it because she put so much effort into falling asleep. But the strangest thing I've ever slept, not to do, you know, like a flex or whatever, but the uh, strangest place and kind of the coolest place was, um, I went on an overnight hunting trip with me, um, Lonnie and Yaffe. And this is when I lived in Sino village in Papua New Guinea, right on the Sepik river. Um, so we took about a four hour hike deep into the jungle and like, you don't know deep, you don't like, if you're listening to this, you will probably live in America, but you don't know like jungle until you've been in this deep of a jungle. We're talking that like the path really isn't even a path. It's just where you can kind of make out that like the, the branches were cut down kind of. And it kind of goes along the river so you don't get lost. But we took a long hike through deep, dense jungle with all sorts of wildlife around us, up and down this river. We got in a canoe, went up the river a little bit, got out of the canoe, we hiked, we hiked, we hiked. And this is all starting at like five in the morning. And I think we, after a couple breaks, we got there at like noon, Um, but it was this little hut made on, right on the river in the middle of the jungle. And it was essentially the purpose of this hut was to get you deeper into the jungle so there's more animals around for you to kill and eat. Um, Because sometimes, you know, some of the jungle people, they'll go, you know, weeks without being able to kill a serious sized animal that can feed their family. So go on these long hikes, They'll stay night in this hut, and there's usually more, you know, boar or crocodiles or kangaroos or whatever around that you can shoot, kill, bring back to the village and eat. So, but uh, this was a really exciting time for me. This is my first overnight hunt, um, and we had like a little like mats that you lay on the ground, but it was like an air mattress kind of thing. That they, it was like this thick, maybe about maybe about an inch or two thick. It was mostly just like a mat. And so I slept on that on what is like bamboo floor, so it was kind of like really lumpy. But we got there. We were all starving. And uh, sorry if you hear, you hear feet pitter-pattering upstairs. Um, but we, uh, we got there, and all of a sudden it started pouring rain. And we're all hungry. We all, we could, we all shared like one thing. They called a Maggie noodles. It was essentially top, like, top ramen, but they were called Maggie noodles out there. So the three of us shared one pot of Maggie noodles after that long hike. It was pouring down rain. It was so loud off of the thatch roof hut. And at about two o'clock in the morning, Lonnie wakes me up and he says like, hey, the rain stopped. We should go hunting. I'm really hungry. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. Now Lonnie at this time is probably like maybe like 15. I'm like 12, I think. Um, if you're watching the video, there's probably a picture you can see of me at this time. Um, and, uh, so anyways, um, you know, we get up and, uh, you know, we're, we're at him. So we carry our bow around. We walk for a little bit. Now, one of the interesting thing about this is that Lonnie was at an age where he's starting to become a man. And it's very custom in that land, in that culture that, you know, you really become a man when you're able to put down a big animal and provide for your family. Right. And, and that will impress enough people where they'll start considering your name for marriage. And all of the marriages there are all arranged. So they'll start throwing your name into a hat. And they'll sign you a woman. And then you're good to go. Um, but it was definitely that time for Lonnie. He was at that age. And so um, we were out hunting. And sure enough, big old two, big old boar, like right in front of us, just off the path of maybe like 15 yards or so. So it's pitch black at night. And you don't know darkness until you can put your hand in front of your face and you can't see a thing, right? So we turn our flashlights off and it is dark. All you hear is this massive 300 pound boar that is in front of you probably like it was off the path but it was maybe about 20 yards in front of us. So it's like right there. And we. And it is loud and they stink and you. it's ripping up the ground looking for worms. Right, and all of the animals are out too because it's been raining, so they're all hungry as well. So I mean, we're just we're just a, a, another kind of creature out there, right? So I see nothing. I can feel a presence coming closer to me, and sure enough, Lonnie like turns his flashlight on just a little bit and just like uses his hand to cup the light just a little crack, just so I could see that he's right in front of me, and he was like right there, face to face, and uh, because it's so dark, I couldn't see him until he did that with his light. Um, but he said in their language, he said, um, you stay up here, climb this tree. And apparently there was a tree right to my right that I I didn't even know was there. It was so dark. Um, he said, you climb up this tree. I'm going to go shoot this thing. And so, um, at this point we'd already killed a couple of animals and I was carrying them. It was heavy. I was tired. And, uh, and I just didn't know if I was up for it, but sure enough, Lonnie goes out and he starts creeping up on this boar. And I can't believe, with all of the the twigs and the leaves and everything like that, how quiet that Lonnie was. I mean, like just complete silence as he slowly walked towards these boars that he could get a shot off. And um, he would shine his flashlight just for a second, just so he could see what was in front of him, and then he turned it off. And their reasoning behind that was they felt that it was like you know, like a firefly, but who knows? So I look at this tree and I was like, I'm not climbing up this thing. And uh, it it was covered in fire ants. I was tired. I'm like, I'm not climbing up this tree. And so Lonnie creeps forward more and more and more. Yafa and I are just standing, you know, watching him. And I remember watching him and he put the flashlight in his mouth and he pulled his bow back. And I have this like burned into my memory, just the silhouette of his back with his bow pointed at this massive boar. And then all you hear is the sound of the arrow letting go. And then you hear a thump. And then you hear a scream and squeal like you've never heard before. And this boar is kicking and thrashing. And, and now I got my flashlight and I'm looking at it. And then it looks at me. And this boar just stops what it's doing. It's got an arrow in its sides, it's bleeding everywhere. And it just charges me. Now, I never climbed the tree faster in my entire life. I hopped hopped on that tree, and I didn't know if the boar was just trying to go in a different direction. Who knows? But he went right under me, and he took off into the jungle and never saw him for the rest of the night. But Lonnie felt pretty confident that he hit it pretty good. So we went back um, to our little hut, and we cooked up what we had eaten. It was probably 5 o'clock in the morning at this point. We're all running on like three hours of sleep. And uh, I had to be back the next day because I was still a child. Um, and so we packed up and we hiked out and we found the same spot where the fire ant tree was and where the boar was shot. And we were able to get a blood trail, which is crazy because of how wet and rainy that rainforest is. And we were able to track it down and we found the boar. So the end of this amazing story, um, is that I got to conclude this trip with, Going um, back into the village and watching Lonnie, all you know, fifteen years old of him, hoisting this massive pig onto his adolescent teenage shoulders as he carried it into the tribe and he cut it all up and divvied it out to different family members, and it was a really cool moment. And uh, and Lonnie's still a really um, important person and an important friend in my life. And he is now the uh, youth pastor or some sort of pastoral role in the church that uh, we assisted plant there in the Sino tribe, which is really, really great. And, uh, anyways, I think of him all the time. And that, that question, um, really brought up some, some good memories there. Um, that should have been the one I ended on, but I have one more. Um, let's get back to the questions here. Um, let's see. I have a question from my buddy Dylan, who I apologize. Um, I think it's Dylan Masaru. I know it was Dylan Nelson, but now Dylan Masaru is a terrific artist who produces his own music and has an EP out on Spotify. So I recommend that you check out his Instagram, which is Dylan spelled D-I-L-L-O-N. So many ways to spell that name, you know. Um, D-I-L-L-O-N Masaru, which is M-A-S-A-R-U. So just full name, Dylan Masaru. That's his Instagram name. And he's got all the Spotify stuff on there. But after this podcast, you should definitely go listen to some of his music. It's really great. Um, I've known Dylan since I was just a little one. Um, we both uh, both attended the same church and youth group, and he was always the music kid. He was always leading worship at the youth group and at church. And uh, Dylan is a really, really gifted individual and a really, really kind person. Um, and I love him, love him a lot. And he's one of those people where. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm i excited that we get to share a place in heaven together one day because he's just an incredible guy. I love him to death. Um, anyways, enough about that. Um he asked, what's a distinct smell you remember from childhood? I've thought long and hard about this. There's a handful of smells that come to the top of my head, but definitely the one that comes to my head the most is fresh baked bread. Um, when we, um, at the very peak of our time overseas in New Guinea, we lived in 13 houses in 12 months. We were moving all across uh, New Guinea to various places, um, in and out of different houses. Um, but the, the welcoming, hosting um, missionaries that would essentially make sure that missionaries are comfortable as they're moving around, they would always bake fresh baked bread. And uh, it was oh, it smelled so good. You just go into the home and there's just like a loaf of fresh baked bread on the table. Um, and I always really appreciated that and and loved that that was there. But um, yeah, the the smell of fresh baked bread, which I have a really hard time saying those three words in a row, fresh baked bread. That smell will like bring me back to some incredible memories um, that I still really enjoy. So. Anyways, that's the last question. Um, definitely check out uh, Dylan Masaru, and he actually has his own podcast, I believe, as well. Um, so, but just go check out his Instagram; he's got all of his links there. Um, and uh, Dylan's great. But hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. This has been episode twelve of the Happy Raccoon Podcast, and this episode again is brought to you by Pure VPN. So, if you're looking for internet security and in protecting your data and your device. Go to purevpn.com to learn more about signing up your device and getting protected. Thanks so much to them for sponsoring this episode. It's a real thrill to have a sponsor of uh, this podcast. The first sponsor offer I got was from a company that likes to deal with um, keeping your nuts and bolts um, trimmed hair-wise. Didn't feel comfortable um, having them as a sponsor for obvious reasons, but regardless, thanks so much for tuning in this episode. It's been a real pleasure and I hope you enjoy it and I look forward to uh, episode 13 next week. Thanks so much. Love you guys very much.